Welcome to B2B Craftworks, a podcast about business writing. Belinda, where were you last week? It's not just last week, Sarah. It's the week where were you the week that. before? And the week before, I was sick. I, I had sick to message too. you and say, I can't, Sarah. I just can't. Because my voice was awful. Because I have children. And children are germ factories. And school is a super spreader event. I was sick. My kids were sick. My husband was sick. Yeah. We cycled back through. Yep. That was 100% it. But we were kind to each other and we were flexible with our schedule. Extremely. And here we are. I think that's a skill I didn't have even two years ago. I wouldn't have let myself take a break. That would have been like a failure moment with a big pep talk to myself about how winners don't quit. Oh, I agree. And because I have a thing that if it's in my planner, or it's in the schedule, and heaven forfend that someone else is in that calendar invite, you cannot quit because it's written down somewhere. Therefore, you are obligated. And I think one of my big realizations in the last couple of years is like, I make the schedule actually. And so if I need to move a date that I made up and that in many cases, no one else knows but me, <laughs> I'm allowed to do that. It's so true. Yeah. But here we are. And isn't it interesting how when we come out of working for and with other people, we still have those chains with us? Because I did the exact same thing. If I decided on a launch date it was the 17th, and so help me, it was going out that day. And I think that's going to be pertinent because today we're going to talk about freelance lifestyle factors yep. and benefits and being sick. Yes. And having dependents who are sick. Yes. I wonder first, since it's been a while, can we kind of catch up on how work is going and what you've been doing the past few weeks? Yeah. So I, I'm in creation mode right now because my writing program, the Copywriting Incubator, is the point where the copywriters in it are starting to create projects. So we work through some foundational stuff. They're on a break this week, and then we start pulling it all together. So I have this little bit of breathing space, but it's a really exciting part of the program. I am creating new things. I have to put my bum in the chair and I have to do the work and I cannot get distracted right now. So I'm really trying very hard to adult my way through social media. I'm listening to a lot of Brain FM and I'm writing a lot of things. And you know what? I love it. I love finding my flow. And just creating a thing like writing a guide or writing a resource. I fell for the loop and I found myself multiple times today because I guess Friday ends up being a little more relaxed. I just cycle through the things that are open. So it's Boxer, mm -hmm. check it, LinkedIn, check it, email, check it. And then mm -hmm. I start the loop again until yeah. I realize that I'm doing the loop. And then I'm like, this is not good. And then I'll put my phone down. So I do catch yeah. it faster than usual. But some days it's just harder than others. Yeah. What I do on those days, though, is I tend to go, all right, you know what? I'm going to give myself 15 minutes. Just enjoy it. No shame, no guilt. Just get in there, watch as many TikToks as you can, and then stop and then do something else. I've had, I was going to say I've had a really good week, but then it was really bad and then it was really good again. So maybe I'm just still in 
the flip-flop of a dying fish where the extreme highs do not prepare me for the extreme lows. And then bouncing back and forth between those, I really don't know who I am or what I've done. So maybe I'll just say some good things and some bad things (laughs) happened. The most epic was going to Phoenix for four days, child-free with a private chef and other moms who own businesses. Your vox is about this. It was bonkers. It was everything I could have needed and more. So I think I was riding that high for a really long time. And then I had a cool event, like a business building workshop for new people yesterday. and had 150 people sign up. I didn't look at how many attended live because I didn't want to get nervous. But there were maybe 10 or 15 in the chat. And then you come home and the toddler's barfing and crying. One thing we talked about was that the energy of showing up for events is something you absolutely have to accommodate. And But it's not just doing events, writing as well. If you deliver on a big project, you need to absolutely be aware that creatively and energetically, you're going to need some recovery time. Oh my gosh. A creative buffer. Yeah. And I went to a conference where you were there too, TCIRL, where Jude talked about pricing that recovery time in. And I was like, that's smart. But when you feel your cup is empty because you've just filled everyone else's cup in your business sphere, and then you come home and your family's cup needs filling. I had a night this week where it was like like an emotional pinball machine. Everyone in my house from my husband to my six-year-old, had an emotional spiral that needed regulating and restoration. And they just pinballed off each other. And by the time everyone went to bed exhausted but feeling better, I just sat for an hour in silence. The cup was empty. But with work, I feel like I never really acknowledged that. I just slowly started planning fewer deadlines per day, like only delivering one thing every two days, but I didn't consciously realize it was depletion. Maybe that's part of why it fails if you set yourself up for six to eight hours of creative work every day, because the buffer will come for you. And then you're (laughs) sitting there like, why didn't I do more work? I do this. Yeah. But you were completely depleted. Yeah. And I think that's where when you get more experienced, that's the kind of workflow nuance that you start to notice and pay attention to. I think that's going to come out when we talk about pricing too. Yeah. Part of why more experienced proven people are going to charge more is because they know they have to account for that third day when they're a bundle of mush. So how do you take days? I don't because I'm a machine, Sarah. Same. Which is clearly not the case. I try not to be ill and sometimes, like this week, I have looked at two children and gone, please don't come near me because I can't. I just can't. And I love that everyone's, that masks are still around because I'm sending them to school in masks to say, please don't spread it around. But I'm also like, wow, that's a lot of stuff coming out of your face. Can you just wear a mask if you want to hug me? I and several nights I have laid awake thinking about sleeping in one just because you've got this mess face pressed up against you. And then they set up yeah. just a cough in your mouth and then lay back down. Sneeze in yeah. your eyeballs. Like it's just gross. So I do 
and I try and stay healthy and I try and sleep well and I try and I try and be super aware when I there is a sickness going around, but you can never really avoid it. And what do I do when I'm sick? I want to acknowledge that I don't have chronic illness or anything like that to work around. And I, I think that's a place of privilege and ease. So I recognize that. So I'm just dealing with cold flus, like regular kind of stuff. But I very much, oh, it's the balance between putting my bum in the chair and pushing through to do the things that need to be done. And also recognizing that a strategic day of rest is usually exactly what you need and it's smart. So if I need to sleep something off, I absolutely will. I know that sitting in front of my computer like a zombie is a waste of time because I'm not doing good work, but I'm also not resting. And so what I tend to do is if I feel poorly, I'll look at my list and go, what absolutely needs to be done? What else can be deferred, deleted, delegated because I'm going to sleep or I'm going to rest? So that's I try and walk that line, but I'm battling a lifetime of just push through. We even get the cold and flu ads, all the medicine, just soldier on. Just take some meds and keep going. How about you? I had a lot of phases of this, and that's why it's so hard to verbalize like advice or leadership in this kind of area because it's sometimes I wonder if being a workaholic and pushing through all that stuff and working late at the co-working space and like crying while finishing an outline and delivering it, like it built character and it helped me be reliable and it did all these good things. But also that's super unhealthy. And I wish I had not, I wish I had rested and taken care of myself. And then maybe I wouldn't have the chronic illness stuff as badly, but also then I wouldn't have this, career i wonder maybe that's a story i'm telling myself so i have a lot of questions about that still but in general the only way i took sick days was to work ahead early on like you just have to work ahead of your deadlines and finish things a week early and so if you need a sick day you're not actually going to be late on anything because you left a block of day that's very smart because if you said to me right now by the way this afternoon you're going down with a like a vomiting bug how does that make you feel? I'm like, I, that would be panic because I do not have that kind of buffer in much panic of my schedule. Yeah. Yeah. And there were all kinds of good advice, like Sarah K. Peck from Startup Pregnant. When the pandemic first started, one of the things she did was schedule calls in two-week blocks. So one week on, one week off. And that way, if something happened that she had to cancel the first week, the second week of the month was all clear so that you could reschedule quickly. So like the first and third month, all the calls were booked. And then second and fourth month were just completely open. That seemed brilliant. Never got to a place where I needed to do that. But that and leaving buffer time each day because something always comes up. We never know what it'll be. But if you just leave an hour for things to come up, yep. suddenly... It didn't come up. You just took care of it when it needed to happen. So getting smarter about spending your time. And I think that's, it's the preventative aspect. Like, I don't think you need to grind yourself into the ground to earn a reputation that lets you deserve to not grind yourself into the ground. But basing the workout so that you're not at maximum capacity 
for every single minute, making sure that, like I always say to copywriters, tell your client it will take as long as you think it will take to deliver great copy, not as fast as you can humanly get it done. And so like the scheduling and having drift time and an hour in case something comes up, they're all preventative measures that just take the pressure off your schedule. And as you said, when nothing comes up, it can't, nothing comes up. But if it does, you're not having to bump something critical in order to make time for it. And that's it. It's when the schedule is too crowded, that's when it's super stressful. But that phrase you said of optimizing every minute, that's where I get derailed because that's what I want to do constantly. It's my preferred way to operate is that every single minute is completely maxed out and optimized and perfect. One thing I mentioned, drift time. Drift time is something I schedule in every day. So I tend to map out my day. This is what I want to get done. This is how long I will spend on each task, roughly. And here is an extra hour because invariably I will get it wrong. And maybe that hour is just time. Yeah, it's just a time for everything to drift just a little Mm -hmm. bit longer because I know if I've got three hours to work, and I map out three hours of work, that's not going to work. Interesting. Because I feel like I'm the opposite. This is a process I'm actively working on in the past like three months. So I've made a lot of progress just to be able to talk about this. But the idea of planning a three-hour block and choosing for 40 minutes of that to be drift time makes me sick. Like when I have to take a day off, if you just picture Edward in Twilight when he was trying not to make out and he was just like shaking and go crazy and he had to throw himself across the room. That's me with my work day and my tasks. So when I was sick earlier this week on a Monday, it's like everything was fine from a work perspective, but I had to sit there and control myself and hold myself back from working because I want every moment to be optimized. Maybe I'm just speaking for the workaholics who are listening. No, I hear you. I see my best life advice in Instagram memes. So I remember reading one, which was the quote, and I wish I could attribute to the wise person who said this, but it basically said, downtime and relaxation isn't important because it optimizes your work. It's important (laughs) for your human existence. I was like, oh, damn, because I also think I am going to schedule in this relaxation because when I am relaxed, I have ideas. And when I have ideas, I work better. (laughs) And when I'm relaxed, I sleep better. And when I sleep better, I work better. And I, reading that caught me Mm. in that, oh, that's right. Fun is not an optimization strategy. (laughs) There's the quote. Oops. There's the quote. I think that's what struck me about 4,000 Weeks with Oliver Berkman, too, because when he described the process that most humans doing knowledge work go through of like meal planning and optimizing your sleep and studying and doing all this stuff just to be prepared perfectly for the workday at 8 a.m. And it was like, why are we spending our off time also optimizing for work? Like that just seems like a fundamental problem. And I just saw myself in that so hard. It was hard to not see it anymore. That's why I'm not, I can't read that book. I'm not brave enough to read that book because I know it would be confronting. It hurt. (laughs) It hurt so good though, because I'd also gotten to a point where the optimization doesn't 
work anymore. Once you are perfectly optimized, as close as you can get to it, you're just a miserable shell who's on the verge of losing their family, right? Is how I feel like I could see the path of not having a family and like nobody knowing me and just all these bad things that happen when people are quote unquote successful in business. So that book was really helpful in putting the brakes on that and seeing like, even if a bad behavior gives you positive outcomes, that still doesn't mean it's a good behavior for you. Might be what I'm reflecting on. And you know, and that's part of what we're talking today is like, what is our life like with our business around our business in the cracks of our business. <laughs> Tell me about your business cracks. My business cracks. I, my business has to work around my life in two ways. My kids. So I went from working full time in my business. I had about two years before I had a baby. So I got to work whenever I wanted for as long as I wanted on this new thing that I was super obsessed mm. about. And that was after leaving corporate where you just, you walk out at the end of the day and you're like, not going to think about this again for a while. So then I went into working in time confetti around nap time and figuring out how babies work. And time got more confetti-like with kid number two. And so my business has to work around the needs of the humans because I'm the primary care giver in the house as well. That said, I've never been one to, I'm not one to go, I won't work while the children are around. I think it's good for them to see me working. Like I do stuff. I'm not just here floating around waiting for an opportunity to serve you (laughs) masters and mistresses of the house. I got shit to do and I think it's important for them to see that. But this year, they're both at school at the same time, at the same school. And I tell you, Sarah, this is the promised land I have been waiting for <laughs> years. So working around kids, I've worked around daycare. I've worked around nap time and daycare and then daycare and preschool and then preschool and big school. And now they're both in big school. So I've just had to adapt. So smug, better than all of us. Little toddlers run around. But it's just, I've just worked in the time that I've had available. And I'm like, oh, playing with magnetiles? I might be able to answer a few emails in this moment that I have. And so I use that term time confetti. Because when they both went to school, I had to retrain my brain to focus for more than 10 minutes at a time. So I've never worked when the kids aren't I've never not worked when the kids are around I've always just done that but I've just made sure that they they have what they need to obviously be safe and enjoy their time but I'm not the mum who sits down and plays for hours <laughs> I'm not that mum and I don't think that's a bad thing I don't have guilt around that but the other way is I mentioned sleep so a big shift mm-hmm. I made to my business in 2020 was I stopped Towards the end of 2020, actually, I stopped booking evening meetings. So for a long time, and my business started in 2010, we moved to America in 2013. I would schedule evening calls to accommodate a Southern Hemisphere audience. And then in 2020, towards the end, I realized that like, I would wait until the kids were asleep. So it'd be like eight o'clock and I would start coaching calls and podcast recordings and running 
other sessions with other people. And I realized now, or I realized it then, is if I look at a screen in the evening, my sleep is ruined, ruined. And we're talking about how my business fits with my life. That was something where I went, I need to change this. My availability changed. And so I made peace with the idea that I can ask people to be slightly inconvenienced to attend a call with me rather than running myself ragged to accommodate everyone. One thing that I will say is I think calling a woman a mum, but it's not just mums, calling a woman superwoman, how do you do it all? You're amazing, is one of the most toxic compliments you can give a woman because there's part of, and I only realized this really in the pandemic, there's part of me who's, come on, give it to me. I'll show you how much I can take and how much I can carry and how much I can do while still having my lipstick on point, darling. And it's not healthy and it's not good. We need to support each other. I don't think I've mentioned, I don't think it's a bad thing for my kids to see me work and know that I work. And I reiterate all the time, like dad goes to work, but I also go to work. I just work in a different way. And everyone needs to do what's right for them, whether it's working with childcare or working from home, like we working with our partner doing the child caring, maybe me trying to mix it with my business, people hiring childcare, using their families. Do what works for you. And if anyone else's opinion, that's it's interesting because I don't like the superwoman comment either, but it's for a completely different reason. Because I'm usually thinking, well, I don't want to be superwoman. I don't want to have to do blank, blank, and blank, but no one else is going to do it. So this is on me. So stop rubbing it in my face that I don't have help and <laughs> like all these things. Yeah. So that's interesting. It's offensive in many different ways. Yeah. Let me see. As far as building my life around my business, again, we're back in phases. Because very early on, I just replaced job with working for myself. And those were the boundaries I tried to stick to. So working weekends wasn't too big a problem. Working evenings has always been hard just because I enjoy, like, my happy place before we had kids was with a show on. My husband and I would be on the couch each doing our fun computer and music Mm art just as a way to spend our leisure time. It was really nice. Once I had kids, it was absolutely time confetti. I just had such active kids. You wouldn't think an infant could be active, but as <laughs> I mean, he came out like with his eyes open. He was like looking around and he never stopped, which is so good. So great. But working, if you looked away from him, he would just begin screaming. Gotcha. And he only slept in 45 minute increments. Oh my so God. The yeah. only way work was happening was at like six or eight weeks or something. I did a in-home nanny and I would go for two hours at a time and then come back and check in two hours. At a time. Yeah. So I really had to have that separation right away because trying to work in those increments, it just broke my focus so much. I would just get really sad and cry a lot. Because yeah. the moment I started to get in good with an idea, I'd be interrupted. And that feeling of getting yanked out of what I was doing is oh, yeah. organizing. Yeah, I resented my family a lot for mm. that feeling because I'm like, I have so many ideas. And I know I can do this, but I clearly can't because I can't have consecutive minutes to do the things. Consecutive minutes. Consecutive minutes. By processing a bit of resentment, 
about that. Same. It's hard. Yeah, I've got, uh, it's also different, like got different age groups, different kids. And that's why everyone's situation is the same. I remember going to an event and someone was like, this is how I run this amazing business. And I have five kids. And one of the solutions was get more childcare. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but that like (laughs) I, I made the choice to start a business from home. So it would be more family friendly and getting more childcare doesn't align with that choice. And I use the word choice very intentionally there. But also, I my husband can't. At the, that point, he had a full-time job that was paying for all the expenses. When you look at the way other people are doing things, there's so many reasons why it won't work for you. Mm. And that's okay because there's not just one way to do it, but it just goes to show we're all just figuring it out as we go. And I think what we're already talking about is you have to be dialed into the way you can get it done that doesn't sabotage everything and every reason why you wanted it in the first place. I'm just going to sit with that for a second because that's perfect. Because <laughs> there might be bad decisions that get you closer to whatever goal you had, but if it undermines the whole journey, it's just done. And I think that's the path I was on, I think, was like, if I just workaholic my way through these years, then at some future state, I'll have all this family time. But... I would not be prepared to receive family time. Like I would not be adjusted to being interrupted and being inconvenienced and having to be, this is my Enneagram 8 coming out, but having to be a human being around the people that I live with. Like that's something I have to practice every day in order to have that future state someday. So I had to catch that before it got out of hand. Yeah, absolutely. And like I say that, and these are the lessons I have been breathing in the last two years. Really, when really the pandemic hit and I was like, I got to make some changes because this is not working. Other Before then, I was a f- pretty much a card-carrying member of the wine mum culture. We see it everywhere. It's funny. You, We all need lots of wine because we're on the verge of a breakdown <laughs> all the time. Uh, put it on a mug that I get from Target. <laughs> I'm like, mm, that's no, I would like out of that now, please. Yeah, no, and I see that now because sometimes I I don't complain. I'm very careful to not complain about family life, but I do point out how inconvenient and painful it can be. And it's like, I don't think parents are complaining so much as just constantly crying for help. And yeah. then you do it so long, it becomes sarcastic, and then it seems like you're complaining. But everybody's just wailing and like begging for more help. It's awkward to do that. Yeah, which is why when we're talking about our business and our life coexisting, we have our own dreams and ambitions and we are smart and capable and we're gritty. Once you start your own business, you have got a lot of amazingness already there. And we have this thing that we love and we're obsessed with. But if we don't bake in the lifestyle flex from the very beginning, more money, more clients, more money. None of that leads to more time, like you were saying. That's perfect. Yeah. So I, when I talk to new copywriters, I'm like, this might feel luxurious, but trust me, when you establish boundaries now, when you get to be in charge of your schedule now, when you create habits that reduce burnout now, they will serve you into sanity 
for the I'm rest of your purring. life. I'm trying <laughs> to purr. But that's, I've felt a little awkward. I did my first round offering coaching, a 90-day program for people, and it was unbelievable, and it's just starting to end. But I started to wonder if I was weird or wrong because all of my advice in the first three-hour kickoff call that we have, like at least half of it was lifestyle and like burnout, boundaries, pleasure. What are your hobbies? We're going to work that in on Fridays from now on. Yep. I didn't understand why I zoomed in on that because it felt so impractical, but it really is preventative. Absolutely. I just started going back to rock climbing once a week. It was my pre-pandemic hobby and I stopped and I found myself making tons of excuses why I couldn't start again until I slapped my wrist and went, just mm. become a member and then you have to go. Paying for, I was about to say paying for pleasure, but that's just a different thing. Well, paying for hobbies really helps. I do that with watercolors and I do that with improv, not because I'm going to be a great artist and not because I'm going to be an actor, but because when I pay for those things, I show up and then I like who I am a lot more. So I, I absolutely find an expensive, maybe not that'd be expensive, but find something you feel committed to and obligated to. That's really mm. enjoyable. Why are humans like this? I'm not sure all humans are, but I know we are. It's true. Why are we and everyone listening to this? Like <laughs> so I wonder the specs of lifestyle. What mm. did you eventually prioritize or what do you consider the lifestyle perks of doing? I think the biggest one is being in charge of my own time and not having to ask permission. I'm purring again. Yes. And that means being able to go to kids' stuff at their school. So one day a week, it's a half day really, I work in one of my kids' classrooms. And that's nice to be able to participate in their school life. And every Wednesday morning, they do this whole school assembly where they sing songs, like rock songs and old songs and stuff like that. It's amazing. And for me, that's something I prioritize it in my calendar and I drive on some field trips, not on all the field trips, less than they would like, sorry, fewer than they would like, but more than the bare minimum. But I get to work everything else around those. I like being able to do life admin when I choose to do it. Right now, I got to do my driver's license. I got to go to the post office. I got to do all oh, my tax. I got to get new passports. <laughs> But I can do that when it suits me. I don't have to make an excuse. It can be in the middle of the day. It can be in the evening, in the morning, like whenever I choose. And I feel like that's what adulting should be. But we go from school asking permission, can I go to the bathroom, to being at work. And, oh, God, so many jobs are like that too. But being micromanaged and checking in and working with bosses who are clock watchers and it's a very old school way of management. But that's what I like, being in control of my time and getting to choose what I do and when I do it, whether it's personal stuff or work stuff. I'd love to say I do fun stuff. Like I go to the movies in the middle of the day, but I don't. But I know I can. I can <laughs> if I want to. My first couple years... I made a calendar. I took a month spread and I put 
Either it was a list of things on the side or I marked out days where there was fun things to do, like go to a movie middle of the day, go to the art museum middle of the day, like different things that I wouldn't be allowed to do, quote unquote, in Mm -hmm. a real job. The risk and the stress with running your own business is just not worth it if you aren't enjoying those perks because you're just getting all the downsides of work and all the downsides of self-employment. It's going to make it with that. Yeah, I've definitely created a job for myself in the first couple of years. Mm. I'm trying to write myself out of that job a little bit, but it's definitely there. Controversial question. Do you think a newbie can just walk into the kind of boundaries that we're talking about? What do you think has to be lived and what do you think can be learned when it comes to this kind of stuff? I think if you've grown up in a house where establishing boundaries and talking about boundaries and accepting boundaries was part of the conversations you were having on a regular basis, a hundred percent. But that also Mm. means you're probably going to go through life as a young adult and a 20 year old and deal with people who have not had that upbringing and it's going to cause a lot of friction, but you should keep pushing on because that shit is important. The other side of that is sometimes you just got to learn the hard way. Unfortunately, When we talk about terms and conditions, like for copywriting proposals, I say, look, here's your starter point. Here's the terms and conditions you've got that I'm giving to you because you're a member or whatever. But here's what's going to happen. A situation's going to come up and you're going to go, oh, I don't want that to ever happen again. So how can I close that loop? And I think it's the same with boundaries. Sometimes you don't realize a boundary was needed until it's needed and it's too late. And then you're like, yeah, okay. I'm going to put that one into my process flow for next time. <laughs> How's the boundary setting been for you over the years? Have you, has it been a journey? Yeah, I think that might have been one of my strong suits. Like taking action and setting boundaries have been my strengths. And then the mindset stuff and taking risks has probably been less of my strength. So, For me, it was always really easy to hide in the freelance lifestyle of not having like team meetings and stand ups at 9 a.m. and like just being pulled out of that part of agency life or marketing life or job life. I just, I pulled the peacock feathers in front of me and disappeared into the crowd. That was not a problem. But it was always setting boundaries with myself. That was a problem because I enjoy the feeling of control and agency and awesomeness that comes with doing good work. So I would just hit that button over and over again until like it was really unhealthy. What is nice. What are your perks? Man, I got a lot of perks now because whenever I get bummed out and want to get a job, I'll go and look at job listings and look at the perks and then try to find ones that I can give myself. So I was looking at a job listing from Ross Simmons at foundation and it was going on and on about the free Kindle, like unlimited Kindle budget. And I was like, you know what? I want an unlimited Kindle budget. So now anything on Kindle, anything on Audible, I see it. I like it. I want it. I buy it. And it really, it hasn't bankrupted me as much as you might think. Like it, once you give yourself permission for that, it's only been like three or four bucks a quarter. But just knowing that whenever I see something like that's going to educate me, I can just go for it. It's a really nice perk. It makes me feel rich. I like that sort of frame up of a benefit. Like it's, we have jobs, if we were applying for them, we'd be like, what are the benefits? As in not one of the perks, but PTO. like how else, yeah, how <laughs> else are you paying me? 
apart from the financial remuneration and it's time off and it's things like that. So I love that reframe of going, because one thing we often talk about, I know you would talk about this, is if we had a job like the one we had, like the one we've got now, yeah. where we pay ourselves what we pay now and we never <laughs> got a pay increase and we had worked all these, we'd be like, hell, hell no. So why don't we craft the experience that a business we love to work in? Yeah. And that's what drew me into mindset stuff so much because it can seem so flimsy and abstract, but in reality, I kept creating wonderful situations for myself and then putting myself on a hamster wheel and almost like I kept ruining the good things I was doing. And at a certain point, it's what's going on with my mind that like today I went to a coffee shop and did some emails and then I went to an art store just midday before I went to teach. The whole time, I still felt like there was a cloud over my head and I was going to get in trouble and I shouldn't be doing this. So I had to like, I had to strong arm my own mindset to be like, no, I'm enjoying this. This is good. This is fine. Shut up, you. (laughs) Yeah. And I just enjoyed it. And I got a new paintbrush and that kind of stuff. But just to see how practical mindset stuff really is has been so helpful because now I can make the choice to be nice to myself, not because it's going to optimize me, but just because I'm the human and I get to have nice things. Yeah, 100%. We're all human. We all get to have nice things. Do you have any aspirational lifestyle stuff? So we talk about Kindle books, but where are you going to buy a dream house? When do you get your private jet, your private yacht? You strike me as a very transportation heavy dream person. (laughs) Yeah, no, all I really (laughs) want is a clean car. That's all I want. It's really funny you say that, actually, because I do just like I like pretty things. I like nice things. I like luxurious things. And I've resisted it for so long, but now I do embrace it. We are in a rental right now, so we can't change this house at all. So I do having nice things around me within the capacity to whatever the capacity we have to make this house a nice one. But for me, I'm. I am working for the house and it's not just property for property. I have a very specific idea of what that looks like. And it's part of a house, like partly it's the house we had in Australia before we moved to America, but it's a house with space. It's a house with big windows and natural light and space, not only inside the house, but outside the house. We're in suburbia right now. And I don't like being so close to my neighbors. What I don't have right now is an everyday home that I just love to be in. This is nice. I'm not writing down the house we have, but that's a big one for me. That's what I'm working towards. That's what my revenue goals. Yeah. That's what is for. That's what I'm working for now. What about you? I think this isn't going to be a super practical answer. I think it's all about control over time. So I would just like to be independently wealthy so I don't have to do any particular thing at any given time. I've realized just how survival mode we've been stuck in since 2020. And you'd think it'd be the pandemic since I said 2020. But for me, it was actually like deciding to go all in with the Institute, continuing the freelance writing and then bringing my husband home to stay at home. Mm-hmm. And a couple weeks into that, I guess two months into that, 
he just broke his leg in two places and couldn't walk for two months. So we had two extremely active toddlers, no childcare, me, breadwinner, and just something about that period, I think, broke our brains. And we've been trying to just survive ever since. But I think we're coming... Can I just... Something about that period. How about everything about it? Like something kind of... My finger on it. Just a little. Yeah, I think it was trauma in some way because... Technically, nothing bad happened business-wise, but the intense survival pressure that suddenly fell on me at that time was just the stuff of nightmares. So crawling our way out of that. And again, like things have been, how do I say, I performed so well through that, but I've only recently really thought of the cost of that and the healing Mm -hmm. that has to come after that, because many people might have that happen and not perform well through that. And that's a whole other barrel of monkeys. But it's still bad when you perform through it. So maybe yeah. my lifestyle dream is to just be okay for a little bit. Yeah. That's my goal right now. I really, that's so important. And I think it's something that so many listeners will identify with in their own way. I remember someone saying to me very recently, if I charged more, like this was the realization, if I charged more, I would earn more in less time. And the question I was asked, is how would that change my compulsion to work? If I my business was suddenly bringing in, and I'm just going to pick a number, $500,000, how would that change how I thought about my time, how I thought about what I spent my time on and the tasks that I was doing? And that was a moment where I was like, whoa, ooh. Oh, okay. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. And we can connect that to today's behavior. That's one of those mindset exercises we could do of let me get to that mind state right now. Let me start enjoying making yes. 500K a year right now and see how that changes the decisions I'm making. Yeah. What does that person do? And so I love it when I'm asked things like that or challenged in those kind of ways, especially around pricing <laughs> and money and things like that. Because they're small moments, but they stay with me and they change how I behave. My husband's eight years older than me and it's not that far off retirement. I'm like, do we want to work until we can possibly work no more? No, I would love to retire my husband. I don't tell him that's one of my goals. (laughs) But for him to be able to go, I've worked a lot and now I'm going to have some enjoyment time. And for my business to generate not only enough income to support our life, but to have a, an investment strategy that supports our future, that's it. Like the house, I talk about the house, that's a thing I want. But underneath it all is that financial security. There's something really big there though, because... I think what's always attracted me to the work you do, so many times the conversation around freelancing is fight over the bones and get as much meat as you can and then run and find another animal and just get what you can out of this life, guys, because we're all going to die anyway. But the sense of like this is a business that brings you and your family into a level of Like when we walk around and we see Walmart or these big box stores and it's that was just some dude who just started a business and started thinking bigger and started believing that they could think bigger and do partnerships and distributions and all these different things. 
Like, why can't we come into our businesses, be they writing or teaching or whatever, and bring that kind of big energy? And I feel like you've always invited people to do that. And I love that. One thing that occurred to me the other day, and I was just flicking to my planner because I wrote down these notes where I was saying that often when we start a business, and it goes back to this idea of what are we all doing it for? But really, we're not doing it for others. We're doing it for ourselves. And we're doing it to make our family's life easier, more comfortable. We're always trying to make the legacy we leave. And for us, it's our kids, in some respect, a big part of that, make their lives better and easier and all that kind of stuff. And so what we're doing is hopefully maybe generating more money. In That's one of them. More resilience, teaching and passing on lessons about hard work and ethics and motivation and self-care and my daughters are always watching and so this the business is what I'm obsessed with but it's a tool it's a money-making tool and it's a tool that showcases so many other parts of development money-making character building tool yeah and I'm hearing it's just like this is a path to actually improve the experience of life for us yes. and our kids and really everyone around us. And to live in a way that's not just survival mode, that's not just school to work, to TV, to sleep. Yes. I hear that a lot, but that's an easy path to fall onto. And then this seems to show us a way to not have to be that way. But we also have to make choices. We have to take action. We have to go a different way to create a different thing. And that's it. when I'm working with coaches and talking to you on Voxer and things like that, you always ask such wise and insightful questions, but they're important. It's great to have people around you who just shift your perspective a little bit. And you're like, oh, that's right. Actually, it feels like I have no control over this. And especially for new writers, it can feel like you're at the mercy of this big industry, but actually you have a lot of choice and a lot of control. And this choice right in front of me is not connected to any other choices. So this one mistake cannot derail everything I've ever done because I'll just find a new client and I'll just find a new industry. I'll find a new format. I have choice to do a little bit of marketing today, to do a little bit of networking to do a little bit of skills development. I'm in control of all of those things. Boom. So this started as a lifestyle and illness conversation. <laughs> and it all comes back to playing big yep. and bringing that big energy to the business table. Yep. That's not always easy. It's not always easy when you're tired and you're sick and you got to know and it didn't work. And you don't want to do the thing. There's an awful uh, lot of crying in baseball, as it turns out. <laughs> but that's okay. I think you just, like, I I am very much a glass half full kind of person. And I, if I'm going to get poetic about it, I don't think a glass can be half empty. Because the physicality of the space, like, emptiness is not a defined characteristic. Because <laughs> emptiness is not real, right? Like, it can only be half full. Because fullness is the only thing that can be. The rest is a construct. The rest is a construct. I'm glad you get it. Thank you for this conversation. We will be back to talk about pricing. I just want to, I want to leave a like lovely hooky hook for everyone. The first thing we're going to tackle in our next conversation is what's the difference between a high paid writer and a low paid writer? There it is. Stay tuned. A diagram of it. 
and they will dissect one of each yep. and reveal shocking secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Number seven, you won't believe. Nice. <laughs>